You are listening to the Campus Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen. Each Wednesday on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, I welcome a new guest from Queen's University to discuss news, issues, upcoming events, initiatives, and services for the benefit of Queen's students, faculty, staff, and alumni. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to Campus Beat. I'm Dinah Jansen. Today we are chatting with Robert Yaldin, the Sigurdsson Professor in Corporate Law and Finance here in the Faculty of Law at Queen's University about his recently published chapter, Quebec's Sole Shareholder Regime and the Rise of Simplified Corporations, Innovation, Implementation and the Challenges Ahead. Thanks for joining us, Robert. Good to be here, Anna. Thank you. Okay, Robert, so before digging into all of the arguments you make in your study, Quebec's sole shareholder regime and the rise of simplified corporations, innovation, implementation, and the challenges ahead. In practical terms, can you tell us what sole shareholder regimes and simplified corporations actually are? Sure, well, why don't I start by just putting this in historical context. So. Um, Simplified corporations are really just the next step in a long historical process of of trying to make it easier for a business to incorporate and to get the advantages that come with being a company. Um, For example, limited liability for shareholders. So prior to the 19th century, um, believe it or not, to incorporate, you had to petition the monarch or you had to go to the legislature and have them pass a a law uh, to create a corporation in order to get the benefit of of limited liability for shareholders. And then through the 19th and 20th century, we saw a gradual move towards enabling anybody to incorporate. So things were getting easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and today, uh, you or I in Canada can usually incorporate a company very quickly um, within typically 24 hours after filing out uh, or filling out rather a, a simple government form online. And that's actually a lot faster than many other countries. And it's, it's really important because it enables business to get on with meeting all kinds of challenges without getting bogged down in um, days or weeks of waiting around for uh, the government to sign off on your, on your incorporation documents. But uh, it is still the case that even if I'm the sole proprietor of a small business that I've um, incorporated, say a small, a small kitchen's good, goods business, um, I have to comply with the same rules as a very large company. So for example, I have to have one or more directors. I have to hold a shareholder meeting every year at which uh, the director or uh, directors, if you have more than one, are elected. I have to keep records confirming that I've done all of that. So, so countries that have um, provided for this concept of a simplified corporation are trying to do away uh, with these kinds of requirements where they're redundant. Mm-hmm. For example, if I'm the sole shareholder of that small kitchen's good business, um, I, I, I'm going to be the only shareholder when I incorporate. And, and these regimes give you the option to incorporate without having to have a board of directors or any directors at all. So effectively, they do away with the concept of a board of directors where you have just one shareholder. And that makes a lot of sense if you think about it. Um, mm-hmm. It's... Uh, um, these are redundant requirements. They make sense for large companies, but not, but not for a sole shareholder company. Uh, simplified corporations uh, also try to do away with requirements that apply after you've incorporated that can take time and money to comply with. Uh, so for example, they do away with the requirement to 
uh, put together what are known as bylaws, as bylaws. These are internal rules that companies have to, at least larger companies have to have and, and that govern their internal affairs. So again, the logic here is that if you are uh, the sole shareholder, there's really no need for a lot of this. Um, mm -hmm. you're, you're accountable to yourself only, not to other shareholders. So we don't need a lot of rules that were designed for companies with, with multiple shareholders. Um, so simplified corporations are, are, are trying to get rid of these uh, layers of redundant rules. Okay, so can you give us an example of what the what that might look like in practice? If if we have these small corporations, are we talking about like a mom and pop shop or or something a little larger too? You said like a single shareholder, so somebody who's just opened their own store, for example, would that be a simplified corporation or a sole shareholder regime? Absolutely, it can range from what people sometimes call micro businesses. Okay. Uh, maybe have it's one to five employees to small businesses, which um, can have up to, say, 90 or 100 employees, uh, but even larger, as long as there's only one shareholder. As uh, long as there's only one shareholder. Interesting. Yeah. So again, the idea is if you are the only shareholder, um, you're not, uh, you, you, you do not have any other shareholders that you're accountable to, um, you're, you've got 100% control over the company. Okay, uh, that yeah. makes total sense. Thank you so much. Uh, locally speaking, you're the owner. You, 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 you know, you, you should be able to just drive on without having to set up all of this apparatus that normally gets set up where you have multiple shareholders um, that the, the management team is accountable to. So what kinds of roadblocks and obstacles then would single shareholders then encounter if they're just trying to set up their businesses now, but they have to go through all of these hurdles with a board of directors when they're the only shareholder? Does that prevent people from actually being able to incorporate? It's not so much that it prevents them from incorporating, it's simply that it, it is layering on uh, administrative burden, Okay. layers of administrative um, obligations that uh, take time to comply with. Sometimes you need legal advice on how to do it. Um, oftentimes, especially with very small, uh, businesses, you know, folks who aren't lawyers. Uh, a lot of these procedures are, uh, you know, at best half complied with. And uh, later on, that can become problematic if your company's um, records are not complete, haven't been done properly, you got to go back and clean it all up. Um, there, it imposes annual filing obligations on companies that are a headache. So it's, it's for, you know, if you're, again, back to our example of a, a micro business, you've got three, four employees. Uh, you've got a lot of other stuff to worry about. These are redundant um, administrative requirements that you know may make sense with a large company or a company with several shareholders, but really make no sense when you when you're talking about a company with just one shareholder. And as I say, which can be a small micro type company or can be quite a you know sizable company, but but one that only has one shareholder. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now let's get back specifically to your article, Robert, that is Quebec's sole shareholder regime and the rise of simplified corporations, innovation, implementation, and the challenges ahead. So tell us about the Quebec model that was established a decade ago and what makes it an innovative model to follow. Sure, well, the, the article is taking advantage of the fact that it's the, uh, the 10th anniversary of uh, really quite major set of reforms to Quebec's corporate law. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Now their statute used to be quite archaic and they, they did a major overhaul 10 years ago, but they, they, they modernized it quite significantly. Uh, and they introduced uh, into their statute uh, ideas and concepts that are, that are progressive ahead of, of those in any other province, territory, even at the federal level um, in Canada. And one of the things they did do that, that was innovative was to introduce a, a simplified or sole shareholder regime into that statute. And it was the first jurisdiction in Canada to do that. There's only one other spot in Canada that's not, tried to do something similar. That's the Yukon. Um, its model is actually not as well developed as, as Quebec. So I'm taking advantage of that 10th anniversary to look back and, and see what can we learn from, from Quebec's model. Let's look at what is innovative about it, uh, but also ask ourselves um, if it's got any weaknesses, and maybe we'll come back to that. Um, what's innovative about it? Well, well, it, it, it goes further than uh, not only the rest of the country, which, you know, as I've just said, didn't, doesn't, doesn't have this kind of model, but for the Yukon, but it actually goes further than, than um, models that one sees in other countries that have adopted um, simplified corporation regimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some ways, it's, it's, uh, it's the most logical. It really pushes as much as possible uh, to get rid of requirements that are redundant. Uh, so not only does it do away with uh, the need to have a board of directors, you can scrap having a board of directors, um, it also does away with things that, that some of the regimes that exist in other countries that are simplified corporation regimes haven't done away with. So, for example, as I mentioned, you you can get you don't have to adopt bylaws. Again, mm-hmm. there's no need for internal rules if you're the only person you're accountable to, right? Um, so that does pay away. your taxes. <laughs> but it's a pain, right? You 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 gotta you gotta you know, especially if you're not if you're if you're starting a business and you. You don't want to spend money on lawyers. Uh, having to go and find and develop a set of bylaws is not simple, and it's perfectly pointless if you're the only uh, shareholder. Mm-hmm. It does away with the need for an auditor. Um, so the default position in a lot of statutes is you've, you've got to appoint an auditor. Um, if you want to get rid of that, you've got to pass an annual resolution saying we're doing away with them. We're not. We're dispensing with an auditor this year. Well, this just does away with that requirement. Um, going forward again, there are no shareholders to whom you're accountable. You don't have to, therefore, provide them with audited financial statements. Does away with the need um, for shareholder meetings, directors' meetings. Uh, does away with the need to keep records, therefore, uh, of those meetings. So, there. It's I, 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 what I like about it is that it really has thought things through to their logical conclusion and got rid of as much as uh, it can for uh, sole shareholder uh, companies um, and and. Again, these are requirements that are pretty artificial and, and redundant for uh, for little uh, companies, micro, small, uh, but even even larger sole shareholder corporations. All right. Now, overall, what is the thrust of the argument that you're making in uh, the Quebec shareholders regime and rise of simplified corporations study that you've done? Well, I'm 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 really doing two things. I'm I'm encouraging us. Uh, public policymakers, those with an interest in the area, look carefully at, at Quebec's experience over the last 10 years. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's got the attention. I know it hasn't got the attention. I spent a long time in practice before joining the law school. Um, and I know that this is virtually unknown by as, a, as, a, as an option by most uh, business lawyers across the country. So I'm encouraging people to familiarize themselves with it and, and try to understand uh, what's good about it, but also uh, 
to, to look at some of its weaknesses. And, and the paradox with this regime is that although it's highly innovative, uh, as I say, pushes the boundaries and limits of how this has been done in other countries, it actually hasn't been used by very many businesses uh, in Quebec. It, uh, there was a study that came out on the fifth anniversary of the of the reforms that uh, took a look at how many companies had adopted it, and and uh, there were only 685, which is not a large number. Uh, mm -hmm. So I I dig away at why is that? Why why notwithstanding its innovative features, is it that it hasn't been embraced by more micro, small, and even medium-sized businesses? Uh, and and my conclusion is there are really two reasons, um, and and this is important. It's important to get them on the table so there's other jurisdictions think about potentially adopting this model. They reflect on how they can improve it, right? So mm -hmm. uh, there are two things. One, I think there's a design flaw in the way in which it, it was developed. And I, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds here, but uh, I do think Quebec's approach could be made more user-friendly uh, and that that would make a difference. Uh, right now in Quebec, you have to incorporate first and then you have to uh, adopt, um, uh, you have to draft a document saying, I want to opt into this regime and you have to file that with the government. No guidance is given on what that document has to look like. Um, and uh, so you're left having set up your company, having to turn to lawyers again to try and do this, right? Um, I, I, I think it would be very easy at the time you're setting up your company to just tick a box saying, I want to be a simplified corporation and then it would follow that you know, no need to have a board, no need to have bylaws, no need to have an auditor, et cetera. Right now, unfortunately, the regime in Quebec um, actually requires you to take steps after you've incorporated. And I think for a lot of small businesses, it's just, it's a pain. Um, the, the, second, the second thing, importantly though, uh, is, is that I don't think this regime's got a lot of visibility in Quebec. Um, so we'll, we'll come to this, but in other countries, that have adopted simplified corporation regimes, often the government has made a huge push to ensure that um, small business is aware that this is an option. And more than just aware, actually encouraging them to take advantage of it. Uh, mm -hmm. That did not happen in, in Quebec. Um, so it's a bit of a hidden uh, corner of the corporate law. If you go up on the site to incorporate a company in Quebec, the online site, they have the equivalent to the federal one I was describing earlier. Uh, you wouldn't know this option exists. Uh, so again, it has not been well publicized. And so in the article, I, I argue that a strategy that relies on word of mouth is really no strategy at all. Uh, that you need a, a developed and sustained government-led communication strategy uh, to alert small businesses to the advantage, the advantages that, that, can be, uh, that can be had from opting into this um, sole shareholder. So uh, I'm encouraging public policy uh, folks across the country who are thinking about you know, innovations and ways to improve our business law to take a look, learn about the good things, but also think about how could we make this more user-friendly. Mm -hmm. There are some tweaks that I think would, would make a big difference. And then I'm emphasizing the importance of you know, sustained communication, making, making it clear to anybody as soon as they want to incorporate a business that, hey, you can, you can set up a simplified corporation, you won't need a board. Here. And you don't need to be in Quebec. There's no provincial. No, you wouldn't. It, well, it, you, uh, yeah. It, 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 um, corporate law is funny that way in Canada because, as usual, we're a federation and that makes everything complicated. <laughs> but, 
no matter where you are in the country, if you want to incorporate a Quebec company, you can, uh, but people outside of Quebec uh, will most often incorporate either a federal company um, governed by the, there's a federal corporations act or a provincial company. So if you're in Ontario, there's an Ontario Business Corporations Act that many, many companies take advantage of. British Columbia, there's a British Columbia Corporations Act. Many companies in BC take advantage of the Yukon. Mm -hmm. There are reasons why the Yukon uh, tries to be very competitive and encourage uh, mining companies, for example, out west to, to incorporate in the Yukon. So there is some competition that goes on between provinces. Okay. This business. Um, but right now, the only jurisdiction that has anything uh, that approximates a simplified corporation regime is Quebec. And it hasn't, hasn't, as I say, the paradox is, notwithstanding that it's quite innovative, it, it hasn't, hasn't got a lot of traction. There aren't a lot of companies using it. So one of the things that I've really picked up on here in our conversation is that, yes, uh, not, a, not a lot of corporations are using this Quebec model, largely because they're completely unaware of it or were at the time of their incorporation. Right. Uh, can people revert to this new regime, even if they are already incorporated? That's my first question. And then the second question is, if it's a matter of um, communication mechanisms, why wasn't the Quebec government advertising this as a as a possibility, as you as you mentioned that they were not doing that great a job of before? Yeah. Well, uh, your first question of of can you revert or opt into it? Um, certainly, uh, if you are a, a, a Quebec incorporated company, so a company incorporated under the Quebec Act, um, you can opt into it anytime you want after you've been mm -hmm. by preparing this uh, document uh, that you have to file with the government saying, okay, I want to take advantage of this regime. Again, one of the unfortunate things is that rather than providing uh, people with a kind of standard form document that they could use to opt in, uh, the, the act is quite silent on what it is you have to prepare. So not surprisingly, I think uh, many small businesses are either going to be intimidated about even going down this path or they're going to feel they have to turn to a lawyer that's expensive. Mm -hmm. I'm doing this right or not. Um, but you certainly can opt in. If you're in a different province incorporated under a different statute, uh, you can't simply opt in. You would have to change corporate laws and move yourself over to the Quebec regime. Um, I should add that I, I do think if we tweak the system so that we just had a box that you can tick off when you first incorporate saying, I want to be a simplified corporation. Um, uh, and uh, somebody chose initially not to tick that box we could set this thing up so that subsequently they could revert to the model by saying, well, I've changed my mind. You'd go online and say, you know, I'm taking the box now, so I'm going to get rid of these requirements. So, I, you know, we're starting to get into, into some of the finer mechanics, but I think it's not that hard to, um, to, 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 to implement it. Now, I've forgotten your second question. <laughs> uh, the second question was uh, to the issue of the, the Quebec government not uh, communicating as well as it might have about this particular option. I'm speculating. Uh, I think this is not unlike many other well-intentioned government initiatives. Uh, you develop something that you think will help um, business. Uh, you put it out there, it satisfies, uh, it's kind of an mm -hmm. immediate political score, if you will. Um, you, you can send out a good message about what you've done, but then people move on to the next problem and 
forget that they need to keep pushing it if uh, there's going to be uptake. And I think that's what happened here. I think it was part of such a massive set of reforms uh, that the government was consumed with getting the whole new business law structure out there and didn't spend a ton of time thinking about, okay, on this particular part, how are we going to make sure that it really gets traction in the long term? So, what, you know, have you actually chatted? Have you actually chatted with the lawmakers? Uh, well, the, the 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 book this article appears in is a study ten years later of the act as a whole. Uh, we're uh, I'm going to be presenting the paper at a conference in May, uh, Montreal. Um, the folks at the Ministry of Finance in Quebec who have responsibility for the statute will be. Uh, participants in that, so uh, this will get on their radar screen if it hasn't, if they haven't already bought a copy of it. Well, I'm sure that'll be some lively conversation <laughs> for but you in no, May. It's well intentioned. I think they've got a great uh, regime going that they could make better. And as I say, I think it's highly innovative, one of the best in the world. It's just it's got some relatively straightforward design flaws, and with a with a real, you know, uh, push to encourage small business to think about it um, as an option, it could get real traction. Okay, wonderful. Well, that looking forward to hearing the outcome of that conversation that you have with folks after your conference too. Keep in touch. So now I guess another thing I would want to know about too is is a, a matter of risk as well. Are there particular risks with incorporating versus not incorporating? Uh, and is there are there any risks that you're aware of with this particular model? I, I don't know that there's any real downside to the model. I, I think the reason it's been embraced um, in many countries uh, around the world is there's lots of upside to it. So okay. um, it's, it's um, the, the thing that probably makes most people think twice about incorporating is the worry that they're getting into uh, a complicated uh, tangled world of rules they're going to have to deal with and then you know they're just trying to run a business they got enough headaches trying to get it out of the blocks and have it succeed day to day uh, the less they have to do with government the better <laughs> so the idea behind simplifying right is to is to remove that intimidation factor and make clear that actually it's really easy and there are some real upsides to um, to, to incorporating. There, there are really two uh, important ones. One's, one is, I think, relatively well-known. The other is maybe less obvious, but the relatively well-known one is, again, that shareholders get limited liability. So if you're mm -hmm. a shareholder of a business, um, you once you've incorporated the business, it's the assets in the business that are available to satisfied creditors, but you yourself, as the shareholder are not exposed. Um, you can only lose the money you've put into the business. Creditors can't go after you personally, unless- Right, okay, so that's where I was going too. I was wondering about you know indemnification and liabilities and things yeah. like that as well, yeah. but- Yeah, so the whole logic behind, um, remember I said at the very beginning when I was putting this in historical context that uh, the push for incorporation was in part driven by uh, trying to, enable business to get access to this great concept that in what I can set up my business and I'm only going to be liable for the money I invest in the business, nothing more. Um, sometimes creditors will ask founders for personal guarantees, but 
if there's enough in the company, enough assets, uh, a founder can easily say, forget it. You've got more than enough here to cover the uh, the size of the loan, for example, that you're providing to me. Uh, mm -hmm. Secure your loan against those assets, and, and that'll be fine. And again, um, you know, your sort of limited liability protects protects the founder. The the other side of this that is not as well understood, um, perhaps, uh, is and yet there are quite a number of studies out there that show this to be the case that. It, it's that lenders actually prefer having a clear, distinct business with its own assets sitting in a company uh, that can secure a loan, that they prefer lending to that than to having to deal with someone who hasn't incorporated where the business's assets may be mixed up with personal assets, where they don't know uh, whether there are other creditors who might have a stake on, uh, in some of those assets. It's a much messier, uh, it's a much messy, messier thing to wander into as a, as a lender. So uh, incorporating actually facilitates access to capital. It makes lenders generally more willing to lend to companies than to, uh, than to individuals. So this is another right. reason why it's a good thing to have uh, businesses incorporated. It's a reason part why, again, in other jurisdictions, they've, they pushed hard to have uh, businesses incorporated. It's all part of getting a good economy going where capital is flowing to businesses that need it. Okay. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. So now why also might incorporation for small businesses be so critical now, especially as we're moving through and hopefully beyond the pandemic? Are there any impacts there we ought to think about? Oh, absolutely. Uh, um, the it's, it's interesting that, um, you know, the 10th anniversary of the, of the Quebec statute is coming right in the middle of this pandemic. We know that um, a small business is suffering badly um, across the country. We know it's been a priority for governments across the country. The uh, budgets that came out last week in Ontario and Quebec both um, provided for additional support to small business. Um, so I think that, that this is you know, if ever there was a context in which we should be thinking about what more can we do to help small business, it's, it's, it's the one we're in right now. Uh, and I do think that in addition to obviously providing financial support, which is absolutely critical right now, we, we ought to be thinking about, well, can, can we, what else can we do to help small business? Are there, are there measures we could implement that would remove some of the burdens that uh, they're subject to? Uh, and we've heard a lot in recent years about governments that want to get rid of um, red tape and administrative burden. Well, this is, to my mind, a, a classic example of, of redundant requirements that could easily be removed and would, would just both help small business day to day, but also remove expenses that, um, uh, that, that small businesses have to deal with every year that, again, seem, seem pointless. All right. Thank you so much. Now, what happens next with your research? You mentioned you're going to a conference, but is there further research that you're going to be doing on top of this? And uh, after that, would you recommend adoption of the sole shareholder regime and simplified incorporation models in other provinces across Canada? Yeah, very much so. So I've, I've uh, started to do the rounds uh, to promote this model. Uh, I'll be mm -hmm. presenting uh, my conclusions, as I mentioned, that at a conference in May, but before and after that, I'm, I'm working hard to try to get this on the radar screen uh, with public policy officials at um, different provinces and at the federal level. 
territories as well. I, 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 I'm quite keen to make sure they're paying more attention to, to the fact this model already exists in Canada. But more than that, mm -hmm. uh, we lag as a country, um, some other significant economic blocks that, that have uh, that have already put this in place. So the US has quite a number of states that have a version of a simplified corporation. Uh, importantly, uh, there are over 10 countries that are members of the Organization of American States called the OAS that have adopted mm -hmm. legislation that allows for the creation of simplified corporations. And these include big countries like Mexico, right? big trading partner, Chile, Brazil, Peru. Um, importantly, or very notable is uh, Colombia, which um, was one of the first countries in Latin America to um, adopt measures like this 10 years ago. And uh, it has inspired a wave of, of reform in Latin America. Uh, in Colombia alone, there are several hundred thousand companies that have uh, adopted the simplified corporation model. So that puts our uh, 685 companies in Quebec in perspective. Uh, so <laughs> I think you know the, it's important Canadian uh, public policymakers are worrying about how to help small business be aware that in uh, other jurisdictions, this is their way ahead of us. Uh, in, in terms of getting traction, not necessarily the model. We have a good model to start with in Quebec. We can improve on it, as I was saying, but uh, mm -hmm. there are, it's just a world of difference between the number of businesses that are using this kind of regime in these other countries and, and what we've seen in Quebec. All right. And now while lobbying those public policy makers, what about uh, approaching the uh, like local chambers of commerce? Would they do you think they'd be willing to support these measures as I, well? I can't see why they wouldn't. Um, so absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, so I'm you're going to be marching down thanks, to the Kingston Chamber of Commerce next thanks, week, right? Thanks. I'm hoping the Chamber of Commerce is listening to this interview. <laughs> Getting the word out. Uh, but that's my mission. Yeah, it's to get, it's to, it's to spread the word um, on this as an option to get people talking about it, um, to help them see the advantages of it, and then uh, ideally to get um, not only Quebec to think about whether it could tinker with its system and improve it, but, but to get uh, other provincial governments and the federal government for that matter to, to go, you know what, this is actually a pretty, this is pretty straightforward, pretty simple reason why we shouldn't do it. Thank you so much uh, for joining us today in the virtual studio here on Campus Beat to share so much about sole shareholder regimes and, and the Quebec model and how they might be imported uh, across Canada too. And, and teaching us so much about the finite details too. This is a, it's a very dense subject, but you made it very understandable for all of us. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.